Hey, Steve. Hey, Chris. So what do you think about single-player healthcare? Well, or... there's the Canadian model and there's the European model. And I don't know exactly how either of those... Did you really have that prepared? <laughs> I wasn't actually planning on starting with that. I figured it would be a laugh. I want to know that it's, it's the fact that you came up with a name and that you immediately. <laughs> Welcome to Is Steve, everybody. Today we're going to be talking about what a lot of people have already talked about, which is, of course, EA and the search for more loot boxes. So, and and Sonic horses. Sonic yeah, Horse, I saw that photo. <laughs> Good God. Uh, no, we're not really going to be talking much about Sonic Forces, I don't think. No, Sonic Horses. Okay, Sonic Horses. Because that's the one that's going to have the loot boxes. <laughs> uh, God, have you had something to drink tonight? <laughs> no, I haven't. Amazingly It's enough. just Friday. It's Friday. Um, we usually record on Wednesday. Yes. This is what happens when we record on Friday. Evidently. We crack up a lot and don't make a lot of sense. <laughs> Anyways, um, as a lot of people know by now, uh, EA closed Visceral Games. Visceral Games is working on a single-player Star Wars adventure uh, video game. And when Patrick Soderlund, I don't know what position he is in EA. I keep forgetting. Like that's something I keep skip skimming over. I, I, always, I, I know the names, and I'm he's like... a higher up, and he basically tried to give an excuse that kind of said, "We're trying to make it." For the players, of course, this more open sort of game, not just this linear adventure, something something microtransaction loot boxes. Like it's not directly what he said what he said, but it's very clear he wants to do something like Destiny. Like he's never right. saying it directly, but it's like, okay, you're already doing this with Anthem. Now you gotta do it with the Star Wars game. And on time, just today, uh, not today, yesterday. EA bought Respawn Entertainment, the guys who did Titanfall 2. So it's been nice knowing Titanfall. <laughs> yeah, <I> mean, right. <laughs> so, but, but at the same time, a Star Wars licensed Destiny clone. For you, that would probably I be would exciting. I would probably play it. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> You'll probably play it. I'm. You know what? Maybe if there's no Jedi in sight, which is not going to happen. Like if it were like a like a underground sort of like a mercenaries and the original plan basically right right oh yeah because there was that what was that game Star Wars thirteen thirteen yeah. was the original one right which evidently that was uh, after Lucas Arts closed because like Kotaku actually had a really in depth article with Visceral what happened basically from the fallout of Dead Space three and the course of this game's development because originally they wanted to do something original something that wasn't related to Star Wars. Then they got the IP and um, they talked to the Star Wars 1313 people and I think they're gonna try and keep something similar, but it went from being like, we wanna do this thing that's sort of pirate style. Um, EA didn't wanna do something to compete with Black, Assassin's Creed Black Flag. Um, and so they decided we're gonna take this into space, we're gonna do it with Star Wars, and none, you weren't gonna be playing Jedi, even though there was like, okay, we gotta to go to Tatooine, we gotta do Jabba's Palace, we gotta hit right. all, we can't do anything new in the Star Wars universe. Of course not. Of course not. Um, because there's like two families and, you know. Like five planets. Five planets, yeah. A very small galaxy far, far away. <laughs> um, 
But no, the, uh... The, the, they got Amy Amy Hennig, right? Yeah, yes, Amy Hennig all board after she left Uncharted. And the, the, honestly, it sounds like there was a lot of difficulty uh, with Visceral not only adapting their uh, studio structure, but trying to work with Amy Hennig as well, because the original vision was not to basically make uh, Uncharted Star Wars edition. In the end, I think this was something that was kind of, when it comes to Visceral, was something that was kind of coming anyway, because... This isn't the first time EA's tried to do this multiplayer kind of stuff. Um, if if you follow, I think Eurogamer had a really good uh, uh, video where the guy discusses what the original plan for Dead Space 3 was. And what the original developers and designers wanted to do was it was just going to be Isaac and Dementia. So it wasn't going to be knowing what was true, what was false and everything. EA was like, no, this needs to have co-op. This needs to have <laughs> multiplayer. They decided, okay, let's stick with co-op because that'll be easier and better to do than what we did with Dead Space 2. You do like Resident Evil 5 or something like that more or yeah. less. Yeah. And they still tried to do the dementia angle. They still, they, In fact, originally, the other character wasn't was supposed to uh, basically not be real. They were supposed to be in Isaac's mind the whole time. It didn't work out, and they didn't go as far as they wanted. I did get to play Dead Space 3 co-op. It actually wasn't... It has a lot of cool moments to it, but they were torn. It's like, do we make this stuff optional? Do we make it, like, part of the campaign? Well, if it's part of the campaign, how do we explain it if there's no one else there? So... So my question now is, did anybody from that team jump ship and join uh, Ninja Theory anytime in the last couple of years? <laughs> <laughs> no. Um... I, I see what you mean, though, and I will be getting to that game soon. Um, well, rather, instead of getting to it soon, it's more that it's... Uh, part of what I want to do with this episode is I don't think single-player games are going away, but the reason I'm telling this story is I think this is just a symptom of EA specifically. Right. EA tried very briefly in the mid-aughts, because that's the thing, Dead Space came about because there was a brief period where EA was like, okay, we're going to try and do some new IP. We're going to try and have these new yeah. ideas, publish this stuff out, see what sticks. I actually, I actually remember the, 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 the gaming journalism commentary on that at EA. Like, whoa, like, this is EA? Like, they're yeah. doing something cool. They're not just some big, awful company that buys companies like Origin and then just squeezes all of the blood out of them and drinks it. Um, yeah. Or like let's see, uh, Bullfrog, uh, Maxis. <laughs> How many more? I like those are the two bit, two of the right. big ones. But it's like they've they've got a reputation for buying companies. The thing is, Visceral wasn't bought. It was originally EA Redwood right. Shores. So this was kind of killing their own darling. But but something now something else in, in this conversation is I feel like Destiny alike games are the new are the video game equivalent of a cinematic universe right now. <laughs> where everybody... Everyone needs to have one. Where everybody wants, in the movie, because everyone wanted, wanted a cinematic universe. Well, they Marvel did it. Still there. Well, but no, but now the dark universe isn't happening. The, 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 the Mummy movie was supposed to launch this dark universe. Oh, because it uh, failed miserably? And so now Universal is like, well, we're not going to do this. And now all of the rumors coming out of um, DCEU right now that basically, it, coming out of Justice League, we're going to get a whole bunch of 
not necessarily in-universe DC movies. Like, like we're gonna get. I don't, I don't even know what to deal with that. Like, so, so it's sort of like, and and then I see so what? So we had Destiny, and then we had the Division, which everyone was like, oh, it's gonna like kill Destiny because. It's and then like, it did not kill Destiny. And then it did not kill Destiny. No, and, and then we and, got and, Anthem coming out. Yeah, and that's the and, thing. It's like okay, this is EA's version of An- uh, of Destiny, and that was fine. Because, again, Ubisoft was trying with the Division, but evidently that's all EA wants to do? Yes. Uh, or at least they want to f- they want something where you can somehow monetize it in more of a way. Because that's the thing, with Titanfall 2, at the very least you can still, well, Titanfall 3 rather, because again, they just bought Respawn, right. and the thing about Titanfall is, given Zampella and West, the guys that founded Respawn, and formerly were heads of Infinity Ward, the guys responsible for, you know, Call of Duty being a big deal. Right. Um, they always have been big in multiplayer, so Titanfall was always going to have multiplayer. It was never going to be something like Dead Space where it was struggling. And the single player came about because of the lack of single player in the original Titanfall. I don't know if EA has actually learned from their poor judgment in releasing Titanfall 2 between Battlefield 1 and Call of Duty Infinite Warfare. <laughs> I mean, talk about your biggest mistakes, but yeah. um, they said they're, they're, they're behind Titanfall as a property, and we know that Respawn is not only working on Titanfall 3, but they're also working on a Star Wars project. What that Star Wars project's going to look like, who knows? Um, but at the very least, Titanfall 3, it's already got multiplayer at its core, so aside from loot boxes what are they going to meddle with and how are they going to do the loot boxes because Overwatch has loot boxes and nobody cares but almost so I, I'm trying to like loot boxes right now I'm trying, I'm trying to think of a couple games right now and how they affect the game so Destiny has loot boxes obviously and, and it's mostly cosmetic like emotes mostly, it's, right. it's certain armor sets but they always spawn at like no armor Right, you're right. There's armor sets, but there again, it's cosmetic. Yeah, it's not anything that's better than anything you get just from playing oh, the God. game, and it needs to be infused. What if that's actually one of the reasons that they simplified armor and customization was for so you could put armor in the loot boxes? That was some that in all of our conversation we never brought up. Uh, the, the, see, I don't think. See, I don't think the Destiny loot boxes are a big deal. Again, well, most of the stuff you can get by chance anyway. Right, um, um, and it's only if you know, I absolutely have that ornament, have to have that ornament that's on sale yeah. this week. I'm going to pay ten dollars. There's nobody. Please don't do that. I know people do it. I know people. What was that? Said somebody was paying like fifteen thousand dollars on loot boxes for some game. Probably. Like they had one customer. Of- it was a uh, one of these headlines. One customer spent fifteen thousand dollars. God, I don't know. Um, and I was saying, it's you. You don't play a lot of mobile games, right? I do not. So this is this is the the Gosh, mobile game, the mobile called, game yeah. market infiltrating. Because this is this was no surprise to me because I I played like I've got kids and so I would play whatever Marvel Puzzle Quest or some other lame Marvel Puzzle Quest was actually kind of cool for a while. But <laughs> and they all have these these mechanics where. You progress through the whatever little campaign or play their multiplayer thing and you get loot and it's all randomized 
and it's like nine out of ten times it's worthless. It's like, oh, another Deadpool card or something. I already <laughs> like have all that maxed out. Um, then you can pay real money to get more more randomized cards and increase your chances of getting the one you really want. That's basically what this is. It's, it, it's yeah. in, in, not what it all is, but what's coming into sort of the world of AAA core games. And if you want to really trace it back, you can actually trace it back to like Magic the Gathering kind of a strategy. Right, where you actually buy the booster physical decks and things like that. Yeah. So now I was thinking about what effect this would have on a couple games I've played recently. I'm thinking about Hellblade. And I'm trying to imagine Hellblade with loot boxes. No, so like some 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 corporate executive said, no, listen, if we're gonna publish this, we need to have loot boxes. See, that's one of the nice things about Ninja Theory developing it completely independently, aside from uh, funds from a charity organization. Right. They were funded by a mental health charity organization in part. So Hellblade could manage to be a single player game that even though it's not selling like millions, it surpassed the uh, break-even point in half the time the company expected. And that's, I think, a nice thing, too. Because some of this is just, you know, businesses. Right. Um, EA wanted Dead Space 3 to sell 5 million units. And it's like, okay, if they made the smaller focus where it's just Isaac and his dementia, would you need to budget that game to the point that it needed to sell 5 million units? Probably not. Now, if you're going to suddenly throw in multiplayer, which means we need network code, right. and we need all of this other stuff in order to make sure, like, this is where I think EA and some other uh, big studio developers, like, they kind of lose track. Not everything needs to sell, be budgeted to sell a crap ton, but it's, who is EA's biggest um, competition? Who do they consider their number one competitor? Activision. Yes, and Activision's biggest uh, games tend to sell how many units? I don't know. Millions. Millions, yes. Destiny 2 has surely sold a whole crap ton already. And I think uh, Destiny 1 in its entire lifespan does sell about 13 million. But I don't know, like, does that break down, like, does that include uh, people repurchasing Taken King combos? Is that right. or Rise of Iron? Like, sure does, does that include this, that, and the other thing? People who like, purchased it on PS3 and then got a PS4 bundle or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Like I had to do. I, no, I'm, I'm sure it does. Um, but where was I going with this? I had a really good Brother, idea. Oh, where no, was you, I going Where with were this? you going with this? Where was I going with this? Um, was actually to bring up Ubisoft in a way because even though, again... Part of it is the worry of death of the single player. It's even without uh, loot boxes in mind, it's the idea that from now on everything's got to be a multiplayer experience. And I just re realized Assassin's Creed Origins does have an asynchronous multiplayer element to where you can avenge people that die. I'm hoping... I mean, that's more imitating Dark Souls, though. Yeah, that's not... That's not imitating Destiny or anything. That's more imitating Dark Souls because everything got it... Everything it's has not, to be Dark Souls. Everything but must it's be not, Dark it's Souls. But it's not a... When I'm thinking... We're thinking of multiplayer. We're thinking of either... Cooperative like, like Destiny, Destiny, where you have a, a persistent online world, which different people interact with. And even if you're playing single player... I did air quotes, but you can't see them over the internet. <laughs> um, 
Even if you're playing single player. I don't think the internet's the problem there. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, how does this the whole thing work? The audio. The you audio. can't see it over the you audio. You can't see it over your iPod. Um, or your Zune. You probably have a Zune if you're listening to this. <laughs> so, even if you're playing single player, I just said that three times, you're still interacting in a world where other players are there and it's shaped by, it's shaped as a, as a whole, you need to be connected. Or right, or we have Overwatch, where it's it's competitive, yeah. and all you're doing is shooting your friends in the face all the time, or your people you never associate with ever, but you're shooting them in the face, um, um, or healing them. But where I, wanted to, mercy. where I wanted to bring up Ubisoft is, Ubisoft's made a bunch of dumb big publisher decisions themselves, but I feel like they're a bit more... They do trend chasing, but they also figure stuff out for their own, for themselves. Because the reason it's the Ubisoft open world model is because you know they, Assassin's Creed, Watch Dogs. But this because yeah. Far Cry, like Far Cry Three and, and Watch Dogs, saw that Assassin's Creed was so big, and now it's like Ubisoft was like, okay, we figured out a formula to make successful AAA hardcore gaming experiences. And that started to kind of go against them. But, like, when you, when it comes to, like, their experiences, like, where are they shoehorning multiplayer? The only thing is really Far Cry 5, and I don't really think there's so much shoehorning it in. But they're doing something new with Far Cry that kind of makes sense for that game. Right, and, well, um, I also played with Far Cry 3. There was a cooperative, a separate cooperative campaign. Yeah, and I think Far Cry Cry 4 might have had something similar. Might have had? I think so. But they're always separate. Now Far Cry 5 is going to be the same thing. Right. It's all going to be the same one campaign. And while they're still focusing on, you know, crossing uh, icons off a map, they kind of popularized that when it was taking an idea that was built off of GTA 3. So again, like Ubisoft's kind of doing their own thing. And again, they they wanted to change Watch Dogs up. Watch Dogs 2 was supposed to be the first deviation from the regular old Ubisoft open world model, and then um, Assassin's Creed Origins is supposed to be shaking up the franchise quite a bit. Uh, unfortunately, I don't know why they even call it Assassin's Creed, because it seems that's the least uh, importance anymore, but <laughs> um, but that is the thing though. With Origins, they did throw in loot boxes, and I don't know really why all these guys started trying this at once. Because Shadow of uh, War, uh, Middle-Earth Shadow of War, also has the loot box thing. And if, like, like Overwatch, I feel like it is a core aspect of that game. But maybe maybe you're right. Maybe it is because mobile. They're all seeing, like, what you can do on a mobile game. And maybe we can bring this to a AAA hardcore game. Because before Overwatch, I don't know of anyone except maybe, I guess, Counter-Strike? Team Fortress, Fortress the hats. Do you know Team Fortress is a game about hats? Yeah. <laughs> it's about hats. <laughs> we're going back here. And the a people bit. they ride upon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> we are going back a little bit there. But yeah, so but, I, I mean, well, I see. Was that really was that really a, like a loot box kind of a deal? Because like Counter Strike Go is where I think about it as yeah. well. Because it's like you 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 buy a pack, quote unquote, unbox it. And a lot of people were getting on Twitch and like showing this stuff, and there was a whole ordeal. But that, that, that's the thing; it's kind of a gamble. It's like, will you get a really nice gun, or will you get a really nice 
I don't know. I, all I know is that they did was guns because it's CSGO. But was TF2 like that with the hats? You know, I didn't know. Not really. It was. I don't remember. I, I didn't, I didn't just play it enough. I wasn't in it. I wasn't in like in it enough to really care about that stuff. So it's it's all just a blur at this point. But, but it's kind of. But it, what it does is it it it's the. It's these cosmetic items, right? Yeah. That, like, here's a shiny thing to put on your guy to make your guy different than the five million other guys out there. That is, especially in a game, a game like Overwatch or in, like or Team Fortress or something else where you're you're playing some kind of character. You're, yeah. You know, you're you're whatever you main Mercy or something. How many people are maining Mercy out there? Okay, so like, how many people look exactly the same as you? I will. So if I could get like some something, to make my mercy a little bit unique. Well, it's not just that. It's also they're doing uh, exclusive skin sets for specific seasons right. and events. So like last year's this is Halloween your only event. chance. Exactly, last year's Halloween event. Supposedly, none of those costumes were available this Halloween. Um, I don't know if that's true or not. I haven't kept up with Overwatch in a while. But that's the thing. Like, a lot of those Halloween outfits ended up being really big, really popular. And Destiny 2, you know, the way they've been discussing the seasons is going to be the same, sort of the same thing. They talked about they're going to have different uh, skins and uh, shaders. They're going to have different shaders that are exclusive to certain seasons. But at the same time, it's like, okay, well, I mean, colors. Colors. Um, You know, I honestly, though, I was... I got a new hand cannon. I really like the, the new monarchy. Well, we're not just... No, no, no. no, 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 no this, is on, this is on topic. I really like the new monarchy hand cannon. And I just... But I don't... I can't find a shader that I really like on. Like, I, I like the... And so, so you're waiting for the new season loot boxes. I'm waiting boxes, for the new season loot boxes. And you're going to drop that hard cash <laughs> to get that... Yeah, buy some silver and buy, buy some, some silver and buy some shaders. <laughs> Use my silver to buy shaders. Um, but well, see what I, what I think about it though. Um, I think this that, that kind of wraps this all up. So not wraps it all up, but it connects all of these pieces um, from multiplayer to loot boxes and everything else. Is I look at something. I'm gonna take it a step back. I look at something like Mass Effect Andromeda. I'm sure you read some of the the takedowns and other things on that. Um, the or not the takedowns. The breakdowns? The... Other than a lot of people responded negatively and some well, people think it's actually pretty good? Well, no, more more the, the conversation afterwards with... So basically with how the game was developed. Where the yes. sort of it coming down and saying, okay, well, you got to use this engine. Or, well, this engine isn't working. And this and so how you ended up there. So we got this multiplayer. You got to make sure completely different people are dealing with facial animations and the people modeling it. Right. And, and all of these things, where it comes down to marketing and corporate want to put, they want to put all these things on a box, right? Yes. We've got customization. We've got competitive multiplayer. We've got, you know, whatever else to, to sell the game to say, this is, you know, this isn't a, a linear single player game that you're going to just throw out as soon as you're done, you know, with the campaign. This is all of this and, and more replayability. And so that's one end of it. And then loot boxes are the other end of this where we say, 
This game cost us so much money to make because we needed multiplayer and customization and an open world and all of these other things. So how do we get people to spend more money? Right, how do we actually pay for it? Because we can't charge $80 for this game. So we can Shadow of War and Assassin's Creed Origins, their answer was, we're going to put in loot boxes that give you gear that might make things easier. And therefore you have to grind a little less or you don't have to struggle as much. Which, that's the thing, I'm playing Horizon Zero Dawn right now. And this is actually where, in some ways, uh, yeah, Dead Space 3 was kind of ahead of the, ahead of the uh, curve, because Dead Space 3, you could spend real money and get resources for which you could craft your weapon for the 50 millionth time at the damn um, no, workbench. And so, you know, you have something like, uh, you know, playing Horizon Zero Dawn this year, and... That I can definitely see being something where you go from settlement to settlement and there's a guy there that's like, hey, you know, I, you can have this, you know, resource box if you give five real dollars and it'll give you like this infinite supply. For some reason, I'm imagining like you talk to the guy, the little circle connecting to internet. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yeah, but. <laughs> Oh god, like that was a very awful version of uh, the modem. The modem. Like, oh, you mean, yeah. That's the exact sound my modem made. I don't know what you're talking about. And then you gotta, like, now it's like, oh, okay, now we've, like, connected this and we gotta buy something and, yeah. and all that. But that's that's the thing. Like, for, for, for any game that's gonna really have crafting involved, you can kind of see where it's going. And it's, it's a shame because earlier today, before we recorded, I was sitting here, like, well, you know. Until Nintendo's doing it, you know there's nothing to worry about. But even when they do it, because like DLC, Nintendo offered Mario Kart 8 DLC, and it made sense because they like, get new tracks, get new characters, get all this stuff, and it was really cheap. But now it feels like they're kind of doing DLC for a lot of things, and especially single player games. Because you're thinking, you know, like, Nintendo's kind of a haven of single-player. Breath of the Wild, though, has DLC, an expansion pack. And they just announced for Xenoblade Chronicles 2, a Japanese role-playing game, is getting an expansion pack. And... Well, it's getting a season pass. But it's getting a what, season pass. What is that? Like... But it's going to have new story content next fall. Um, and that's part of, I guess, where you can wonder, like, okay, if... Is this going to be something that even Nintendo jumps on board with one day? Like, is like Legend of Zelda, Try of the Force or whatever, going to have loot boxes for whatever resources you need to, or or to increase your inventory? Like, depends on how much they 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 take from Breath of the Wild here on out. Like, is this a direction that Nintendo is going to one day go? And that actually scares me, because normally Nintendo is like, you can trust them to always... And that's the thing, Mario Mario Odyssey does not have a season pass. Yet. Yet. So who knows? And that's... Now, humorously enough, so... Um, I, I just I want to talk about Sonic. No. So, <laughs> but, so, right, so Mario Odyssey, right... Is really great, and Sonic Forces is a big disappointment that has fanboys crying in tears. No, all the fanboys like it. The fanboys are only crying about the reviews because the reviews are so bad. <laughs> but so, but we have two games here. 
that are really primed for loot boxes. Because every time you finish it, I haven't actually played Mario Odyssey, I've watched some videos. But so in Sonic Forces, basically every time you finish a level, you get new costumes and outfit pieces for your avatar. Like, I'm about, I'm on mission 21 out of, I think, 30, and I have like dozens of hats, gloves, uh, bodysuits, t-shirts. And this is stuff that could have easily been monetized. Right. It's so easy, and that's why... And you know what? That actually... And that sounds like, Mar I think, Mario Odyssey, where you have different outfits and other things, but it's all... You know how, you know how Nintendo will execute it? As long as they're still around as Amiibo? Because I kind of actually just realized, <laughs> like, because uh, I just realized, like, one of the uh, new Mario Odyssey uh, Amiibo, at least one of them, I don't know if it's all of them. Is it Nipples Mario? No. <laughs> they, I would uh, buy it. Y you, you take the Amiibo, you put it on the controller or whatever, and it tells you where a bunch of the purple coins are on the map. Which is like, okay, I spent $12 for this decorative figure so it could tell me where stuff is in the game. And in some ways, it's like paying for a cheat code. And in other ways, it's like, okay, yeah, I mean, they kind of already did some of this loot box stuff. It's just locked behind specific things. And including with Metro, uh, Metroid Samus Returns, unless you have the Metroid uh, Amiibo, you can't play the hardest difficulty mode. You need to use the Metroid Amiibo. So they're just clever. They're just clever about their uh, their DLC. It's not DLC. It's like... Well, at least you get something physical and substantial. But at the same time, it's like... Yeah, I imagine a lot of people don't... It's not horse armor. It's not horse armor. Like, unless you buy armor for an actual horse. But, yeah. No, but you get an actual figure that... If you are the kind of person to collect stuff anyway... And line it up on your shelf. Because honestly, I like the Amiibo. They're decent quality. They line up on the shelf real nice. I have enough to represent every Nintendo character I really like. And yet at the same time, right now they're all packed away in a box because I don't have enough uh, space space. Yeah. And if you like, let's say you're you're an adult with a baby that has a tendency to eat things. You, it's a choking hazard. You don't want them shoving well, the amiibo down their throat. Well, it's not just that. Like we had. Um... Disney Infinity was really big here, um, and with my oldest, the figures were always fine. There were never any problems, but then you add a new baby and a younger brother and all that other stuff getting into it, into the list, and now all of the lightsabers on all of the Star Wars Disney Infinity guys are broken. And they've been broken and re-glued and broken again and re-glued and then it was just like, you know, I'm putting all the broken lightsabers in a bag and maybe one day <laughs> when you guys are all in college, I'll glue them back on there. Uh, Especially because by then they'll be collector's items. There, yeah, but uh, nobody will want the glued ones. <laughs> but but I feel like that'd be the same thing with Amiibos where like it wouldn't just be that it would be like, oh, like, where is Peach's arm? I don't know. <laughs> and I don't Thing. Just from what I've seen of the art style and the build of the Disney Infinity, I think Amiibo are a bit more, uh, I want to say malleable. I mean, they're a little bit more bendable, but they're also, I think, going to be more prone to certain aspects of the breaking. So basically what you're saying is that you Nintendo, don't, sells D Nintendo sells DLC, but they only sell it in the form of something that could accidentally kill a small child. Very, very small. We're talking infinite, but what's their, like, five years old? Year? 
Oh well, yeah, but like a spot, I mean like a two-year-old. Exactly. Yes. 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 Mario, I love you. I want to eat you. The, 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 the packages do have choking hazard warnings. Like everything does. Right. But so, so these loot boxes that, that Ubisoft has and everyone else is hating <laughs> on, do they kill children? They do not. They do not. <laughs> clearly, <laughs> clearly, <laughs> Ubisoft and Warner Brothers Interactive have the upper hand here versus Nintendo. Versus Nintendo. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but that's the thing. Like when you really think about it, we are reaching at a point where every company is trying to, and I think for Nintendo too. Like some of it is okay. We're entering what? This is the third year of Amiibo, maybe fourth. I, I don't even remember now. And. They keep changing because in some cases it's like okay whatever the that's on the amiibo it's kind of worthless who cares nobody cares and now this year all of a sudden they're kind of putting stuff on there that people would like to be in the game permanently but it's not like again like um, you have Wolf Wolf Link in uh, Breath of the Wild is actually pretty dang uh, pretty dang useful versus um, you also then have again Metroid Samus Returns has the Hardest difficulty mode is now locked behind a figure you gotta buy. Right. And people would look rather like, okay, look, if you're gonna do this kind of DLC bullcrap, I'd rather just buy it for five bucks, let alone it should be in the game by default. Right. So, it's up and down, and yeah, even Nintendo's guilty of this crap now. So, it's like, I like to, as the Nintendo fanboy, I'm wearing a Pokeball jersey, for God's sake. <laughs> um, as the Nintendo fanboy... I love to kind of point to them and be like, see, yeah, see, they're not evil. They're doing it better. And uh, they're kind of maybe. They're, they're kind of a little evil too now. Um, but I'm, at the very least, though, again, when it comes to like EA's like, hey, we got to sell 5 million units. Nintendo kind of budgets everything better, so they're ready to take a loss on certain things. And the hits that they know are going to be really big don't really receive that much different a budget from their smaller things yeah so well i mean like the i mean the wii u could have been the dreamcast right kind of and at least they, of their line of their line but then they turned it around with the switch yes and so you know but like so that that's nintendo though they take a risk but they're they they're, actually make good games and good products <laughs> 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 unlike a certain other only software developer we know. Actually, I shouldn't trash Sega because if we're talking about single-player games, I've, I I haven't been able to play them yet. Don't know if I'll be able to get to before the year's up. Yakuza Zero and Yakuza Kiwami have been like two of the bigger games this year. Yeah. Um, or at least amongst the gaming enthusiast crowd, and that's where, again, I think part of what I wanted to do with this episode was reassure that I don't think single-player games are going anywhere. It feels like a kind of a concern when a big publisher like EA is on. They've also talked about, I think I saw a news story today, where they talked about moving Madden and their sports franchises to a subscription model. So instead of doing annual releases, you do a sort of subscription model for for the game. And it's like, hey, why haven't you been guys been doing that already? That actually sounds like a great idea. Somebody who doesn't play sports games. Because what was, that was the complaint about Madden for, I don't know, the last 20 years, that, like, basically with 
each generation it was just a roster update after the first release. Well, they like, tried. Here's the new they, Xbox Madden. Awesome. I okay, think here's the next more, one. Roster update. Roster update. Roster update. I mean, to 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 play devil's advocate, I do think that's more a um a perspective from people that don't play sports games. Because speaking with people that have played Madden regularly year to year, evidently it's usually smaller tweaks or maybe some mode right. changes. But evidently, there's actually a lot of differences that do go on between the games year to year. I played, but maybe it could have just been the era I was playing in too, where I actually did play uh, Madden and the NCAA sports games for a couple of years. That's what it felt like to me. I was also terrible. Well, see, um, there you go. There's a difference. There's a difference because I was terrible. So, uh, so but no, no, and I, you I, also I weren't good at the games. I understand that there are, there are tweaks year to year, and but for the most part, you saw a big jump with generations, or you saw one particular standout that like I can't pull a year out. But it was like Madden 2003 was like the pinnacle of that generation's Madden. And then after that, it was it, it kind of was right. It was just a. It was yeah a, a roster update, or and something then all like of a sudden there's another one that shook things up. And right, that it was every few years, and so uh, the subscription model makes sense. Where you it does, it does. You can kind of punctuate it, and you could sell packages and other things. But yeah. yeah, so I really think that is a model they should go like. So for some games, it makes sense. Right. Um, but again, like if we if we really go back through the year, like Horizon Zero Dawn could. Like, I think that's the fear. Like, the open world games, especially the ones that rely on crafting, you, you they can be susceptible to this kind of thing. Assassin's Creed Origins and Shadow of War kind of prove it already. But um, actually, how about Near Automata? Sold more than 2 million units. Square Enix considers it a success. And they're already working on making another one. And it's such a weird... Like, it's not like it's a normal game with normal characters that sold 2 million units. Being a single-player game, it's a weird, weird game that most people are gonna look at and be like, "What are you playing? <laughs> what is this?" But you know, I think Square Enix actually had realistic expectations with this right. one because, again, um, it's a success if it sold more than two million, which means again they budgeted it uh, realistically, and they also seem to be looking at the long tail. They're looking at, okay, since it released in, what, February, it has sold over 2 million units, and they have a PC port, so you know it's going to sell. PSN's going to have their digital yeah. holiday sales. Um, Steam's going to have their holiday sales. So it's going to start selling more this holiday, just from sales alone. Um, and then you're going to have, um, again, Super Mario Odyssey isn't really open world itself, it is more of the Mario 64 model, and that is one of the biggest games this year. Uh, Hellblade again broke even, and that—that's more than just—that's um, more than just you know a single-player game. That is a trip, uh, a normally AAA developer taking a risk, doing this smaller game, and releasing it at 30 bucks. I'm going to be honest, playing it again, uh, or at least like three hours of it again, I. I would uh, pay $60 for that game. It, it was... I still haven't finished it, actually. Um, I, uh, but it... The, the, there are... There's, I guess there's... It's limited and focused in its scope. Yes. Um, but visually, everything that's there 
feels like the level of, of polish and that should be there on it should be a $60 game. The graphics, the facial animations, like the environments, everything about it has this feel, but it's I think it's just so focused that yeah. And what I hope um, is the lesson from Hellblade is because that's the thing, like Ninja Theory originally they were outsourced to help work on the Disney Infinity games while they were making Hellblade as well. And I think now they're outsourced to work on something else. Right. But they had this small dedicated team. They, that, that's the project to pay the bills. And they had this small dedicated team to make the art that they want to. And I'm hoping other developers take that and say, okay, we're not going to suddenly just do this and expect to make it big. Because like Hellblade's only sold about... Oh, I don't even remember. It's not even... It might, at the top, be half a million copies. And they broke even at thirty bucks a pop. Right. Granted, it's digital only. There is no physical aspect of this game, but still, if that's all it's sold, like not even half a million, and it broke even, imagine now what a triple A publisher putting maybe just a little bit more money into it and Loot selling boxes. this game. Like yeah, yeah, and you you're able to market it a little bit better. No loot boxes, but like. <laughs> It shows that, you know, if you if you know what you're doing, you don't interfere too much, you know, give it to a team to try a risk, and you don't have to spend... If it takes less than half a million to break even, you don't have to take a major risk. you Because the amount of money they would have lost if that me didn't make a profit, if you're a big publisher like EA, can be easily making up with your next Battlefront. Or your right. next battlefield, you know, like well, the next yeah, dice game. Basically. And that's that's kind of that's part of the the whole ecosystem. Though, if you think about it, you need to take. It seems like at least you need to take these these huge risks and have these games that are everything to everyone. Um, like you know, like you were saying before, with the multiplayer and the open world and all the other things, in order to make the game that sells 10 million copies like Destiny or something like that where and and then you're talking about you know your your margin your profit margin obviously isn't as big than when you you know didn't like spent whatever what 500,000 times 30 bucks what's that um, no it's going to be 15 something so it's like 15 million or 1.5 like 1.5 million, I don't know. 15 million. Because 10 times 5, 505 times 3, 15 Leave million. a comment on our Facebook at <laughs> facebook.com slash RamblePack64 to check our math. Alright, so if it costs if it costs 15 million to make to make that game, so you figure but if you're selling 10, 10 million copies at, I'd say, an average of 40 bucks a pop or something like that, when you count in sales and declining numbers or whatever. So now you're talking about $40 million in revenue. But then again, I guess how much does it take? Then you got the DLC sales and all the other yep. stuff. But, but you have a bigger, even if you, even if you only squeak by on the margin, like if that was whatever, your, your margin was 10% or something like that, that's 
ten million dollars of profit versus, you know, eh, I mean, th- th- there's that. That's always going to be difficult to really talk because part of it is also marketing too, right? And oh, marketing yeah. budgets end up getting really high. So that that's that area of math. I'm kind of like, oh, I don't want to. Yeah, you don't, you don't want to get into it too much, but, but there's there's something like I've seen, I mean, I've seen it talked about in the movie business. Where yes. you're gonna have every now and then you'll have a movie like the Deadpool or something where it was smaller. Not, it wasn't a low budget movie, but it was a well, in something like that too. The actor, the main actor, is passionate enough about it. He takes a hit in his paycheck. I believe what I heard was Ryan Reynolds actually d- didn't get paid to be in that movie because <laughs> he just wanted to be in the movie. Right. Because he was working hard to make it happen so he for, for oh, yeah, went for, any page right, you have some other circumstances there. I can't cite a source for that so don't like right you know. yeah but there, there was probably some circumstances there like or like you hear um, I think it was Keanu Reeves took a pay cut in the original Matrix or something like that um, yeah then you do there's, there are things like that but where you have this movie though that makes it was made on 50 million dollars and then it brings back you know, 12 times its budget. But yeah. most of the time, in order to make, in order to make close to a billion dollars on a film, you're spending 300 million on it or something like that. Like, and where all, in all the salaries are paid well, and all the marketing bill, 300 costs. million on just the film and then you got the marketing goes into it. Right. Because one of the things is also the incredible selling. But, I mean, to bring this back to video games and everything, I, I, I guess, again, well, yes, my point is, like, single player is not going to die. No. And I think the um, publishers are going to start figuring things out. Because, again, like, Ubisoft is learning. And they also, like, they they, they just put out Mario and Rabbids on the Switch, which is a, another one of those games that it's, like, evidently it's one of uh, the big sellers. Actually, yeah, I think there was a news item where you uh, one of Ubisoft's big sellers this year was Mario and Rabbids. Mario and Rabbids. Um... And that's a big single-player experience, and, and that's, yeah, and I'm totally, and, I'm totally with you there. I think most people who play video games want a single-player game. I think that that that's now the people who are who are vocal, the people who are out there, on that are enthusiasts. Maybe a larger percentage of them they want the multiplayer in the games, or we. Is that they you know and other things they want those those games but I don't think single player games are going anywhere. Well, there's also something else that I um, forgot to bring up, and that is I think the most important thing to try and remember is I actually think trying to it's like the whole World of Warcraft thing. And now everyone was trying to kill World of Warcraft, and that's the thing is a World of Warcraft killer. The implication being you kill that game's success. And the issue, and I, and I kind of like talked with other people about it, uh, theorizing at least with Overwatch. Because um, like Lawbreakers, there's a, Lawbreakers is a first person shooter. Uh, Cliff Blazinski, creator of Unreal, Unreal, Unreal Tournament, Gears of War. Um, that game kind of came and went uh, this year really quickly. Like, it, it's got barely an audience, and evidently, like, people have been going to the fan events, they've been talking, like, it's, it, it was at this year's E3, 
for whatever reason, it failed to make a splash. Um, I think part of that reason is, and I think this is going to be true if people are, are coming gunning for Destiny right now, is that the people who are playing it, they've only got room for one, for the most part. And that's the point and that I was going And to once say. they're invested, once they've spent $100 on loot boxes for Overwatch, and they got you know, an awesome hat for Genji or something like that, yeah. they're not going to be like, oh, I want to play this other game. No, I, I only have time in my life for, and I'm invested in Overwatch. Like, I'm invested in Destiny. Like, Anthem looks kind of cool, but I don't have the kind of time to then go and say, yeah, I'm going to, you know what, I sunk, sank 800 hours into the original Destiny. Like, I'm going to, let's say 800 hours? I don't know. Sure. It was a lot of hours. It was sure, we'll say it's 800 hours. Like, I don't have another... 800 hours to be playing Anthem and the Star Wars Destiny Killer that just exists in my head right now that I really like, but I'm not playing it, um, in addition to Destiny. And that's the thing, um, even for, for us, like even when we're not playing Destiny, it's like we always have that downtime where, you know, our weekly multiplayer is like, hey man, we should play Killing Floor 2, hey man, we should play Titanfall 2's, uh, PVE mode. We should like do these other games, and then we never get around to doing these other games because by the time we're not playing, De by the time we're burnt out on Destiny, it's be it's like okay, now it's time for me to relax and play something different. Yeah. Now it's time for me to be like right now. I'm playing Horizon Zero Dawn. I just got done beating Akiba's Beat. Like now, I'm not even thinking about doing a multiplayer game night because I'm catching up on these single player games and I'm bouncing between. And not everyone does that, like I do, but a single-player game, you know, the, the downside for a lot of people is you buy it, you play it, and then you're perceived to trade it in. I've been finding greater value in replaying games myself. Um, Hellblade's especially a great one, especially after you already find all of the runes and can just go through the game linearly and not be distracted, because then it's, it is so tight, it is so well-designed, and there's a lot more going on in the combat than I originally thought. Okay, not a lot more, but there's a, su a substantial amount more. Dodge, kick, but slash, 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 oh, slash. Oh, more than that, man. Focus. Slash, slash, more slash, than slash, that. Slash, we'll slash, talk slash, about, dodge, talk about kick, it later, slash, maybe. Slash. Maybe we'll talk about it uh, uh, during our little game of the year picks. But um, no, the um, focus. I mean, I think uh, to wrap my thoughts up, though, that's. That's like one of the difficulties is, as you say, like, you know, the you, someone has Destiny, they have Destiny. People playing Overwatch, they have Overwatch. And at best, your game might be something they dabble in. But the odds are, now that people have found Overwatch, now that they've found Destiny, unless you can find an untapped market that's not, that does not have their multiplayer game of regular, regular choice, you're going to crash and burn. Division had people that, like... Basically, anyone I know that played Division always stopped when uh, Destiny had a new expansion. Right. Destiny always got priority. Division was during the off-season. And maybe if you schedule your expansions and your release during that quote-unquote off-season, maybe you can compete in that space. Right, like if you had launched Anthem, like when was the last Destiny expansion? The, was that last winter? Uh, technically, there was just an update in the spring, 
So Rise of Iron last year was technically the last actual right, so, full expansion. So wait, like uh, if they, if they had launched now theoretically it wasn't even ready the yet. Summer. But, right, but they the summer, right? But if they had launched in the summer and beat you beat Destiny two, and you get people hooked, maybe that would have been the thing. June or July, yeah. But, if you release it in June or July, that way you know people would pl- have played it, and then by time September rolls around, people are ready for Destiny two. It's like okay, co- and now like now we've maxed our light in Destiny two. We're done with Destiny. Maybe we would have gone back, but again... For, like, three weeks until the expansion drops. <laughs> yeah, until the expansion drops. But that's the thing. Like, how long are we going to be playing the expansion compared to the full release of Destiny 2? Right. And, again, though, this is this is depending on the kind of player. Because right, some yeah. players only get a handful of games a year. And they might be able to and, do that decision. Right, the balance between the two of them. Yeah, we're, yeah, we're going to get the weeds. But anyway, you were wrapping up or something. Yes, um, but generally that was my last point, I guess, is the one thing I think these... The thing is, I don't expect EA to change. It's not like they're listening to this. And even if they were, they clearly think they know know better than all the people that hate them on the internet. (laughs) Um, Now, see, I've got a slightly different perspective on all this. Again, I think single-player games are here to stay. But what I see is... Developers are are trying to find ways to make these games profitable, and that's I would say publishers are not, developers are doing publishers their best right developers and, to make sure it's not a shitty game still right, but and, and publishers want to make the games profitable and they do that with expansion packs and they do that with loot boxes and other things where they can they can keep some and they're learning new ways and I'm okay with that. You know what? I would not have been okay if I like beat a boss in um, in Hellblade and like here's your chest, open up your chest. You know, like do you want the like the Nariko skin for Nariko is the protagonist in Heavenly Sword, for those who don't know, for Sensua or whatever, like Senwa, Senwa, uh, <laughs> I like or you know something like that, like or you know, oh you know, try again for you know ten. It would completely dollars. break. It would completely break the spirit. Right, of the that game, wouldn't yeah. work for that game. But I'm thinking of a number of other games I've played, like you were saying, Horizon. There would have been a, a place to work in real-world microtransactions into that game without breaking immersion and without breaking the game. Um, I don't think I would have liked it, but I think it would have been possible. Right, um, and I'm like, I'm okay with that. I'm okay if. If saving my single-player games means putting up with the existence of of these things, yeah, I'm okay with that. And again, I don't think I think we've gotten some amazing games this year, some amazing single-player focus games. Uh, and clearly, there are AAA companies that are still committed to doing that in different ways, shapes, and forms. So I'm I'm enthusiastic about it. I don't think we're Sorry, I forgot oh, to mention yeah. Resident Evil 7, too. Released yeah. in January, smaller scale than its previous games, and oh, still a Game of the Year contender. So, but again, I don't think there's anything to worry about. Yeah. So, I mean, this is just big publishers being big publishers. That's right. So, I, mean, yeah, I that's think that wraps it, it you up. You got anything so, else, Chris? Uh, I guess I fully endorse single-player uh, healthcare. I, as do I. Also, since this is the time when we usually plug things, uh, be sure to check out my interview with um, 
progressive metal drummer Mike Portnoy coming soon on theprogmind.com. Is there any hyphens in that name? It's all one word, but make sure you remember the the. It's theprogmind.com. Yes. Not Pog. This is not the crappy not 90s. Pog. Uh, and not the city prog, but P R O G, which is God. short for progressive. We know how to carry a joke way too far, don't we? We do, we do. And it wasn't even good to begin with. You guys have um, a good night. Facebook.com slash RamblePack64 and YouTube.com slash RamblePack64. Again, no C, just RamblePack like it's the N64 Rumble Pack. Everybody have a good night. Good.